0: Go ahead and kick off here uh, again this afternoon. A couple things to mention. We had some discussions here about different things and just your comment about (sighs) templates and what we ask kids to do and creativity. One of the things I am most passionate about trying to encourage in the classroom is creativity, just creativity in general. If we're going to be creative, we've got to make stuff. Kids have got to create. And if everybody's assignment looks the same, No one was creative except the teacher. And I've been guilty of this, too, as I'm sure you probably have, where we create an assignment and we are not actually, you know, leaving many things open for the students to decide. And we kind of have a real structured idea of exactly what things need to look like. And I would encourage us as we think about Google Earth and Google Maps and how these different projects can be created to recognize... We have more potential today to differentiate learning and to have, you know, unique kinds of learning experiences that cater to students' individual needs and interests, but just that are also different than ever before. You know, in a classroom without technology, we were a lot more limited in terms of what we could have students do individually because there was only one textbook and there was, you know, we were just more limited with resources. So it's certainly still possible today to teach in a very teacher-directed and, controlling manner where you're not giving kids any choices. But hopefully, part of what we can encourage teachers to do as well as use technology is to teach in more effective ways, and that will involve students being able to create content, share it, and being able to be creative with it. Um, I want to encourage our folks in the back channel. We've had, like, very, very little activity in the back channel and I, I think that we still have 15 folks that are with us with Claremore. I'm not sure if uh, we'll find out with our evaluation how, how things were for them, but um, I really want to encourage you all to use the back channel to ask questions and to provide some feedback. Uh, Russ, are you back with us? I think we let, we kept our Ustream channel open and so and it says we've still got uh, our two viewers. So, What I would like to do to start off this afternoon is I'm going to share a Google presentation with you that has some great examples of classroom integration ideas with Google Maps and Google Earth. And we're going to spend most of our time this afternoon in Google Earth, both exploring projects that other teachers have created, but just like we did this morning, we're going to spend some time creating as well. I'm really still confused about what happened with our collaborative um, Google map. I sent a tweet out, and one of my friends, Dean Mance, in Sterling, Kansas, sent me a link to his map, and his map doesn't show the edit button either, so I don't yeah, know if it's something sure. weird going on. I mean, I would be hesitant to accuse Google and point my finger and say, it's not me, because who knows? Maybe it is me. But it's really weird that I've done this activity with you know with three different classes of undergraduate students, and you know, in workshops and things, and I've never had that happen before because usually it gives you an edit button, and when you edit it, it adds it to your maps. So we'll check in with other people who are, who are using Google tools and find out what the story is. Um, maybe it's something strange that we're doing or that I'm doing, but, you know, the technology, it, it can be a variety of different things. So please don't give up on that idea, the fact that it didn't work today, because like I said, I've, you know, I've had it work in... And that's really a neat thing, especially with the whole class, where you don't have everyone's email address to be able to, to have a collaborative map that everybody uh, works on together. My iPhone is being slow to log into my account, but indeed in the Google map, the Google Earth app for the iPhone, you can put in your credentials for your account and go to your maps that you created. So that's an example of how if you create a map, and it's for you know Stillwater, Oklahoma, or Edmond, Oklahoma, or Midwest City, wherever you know, it's possible to have that accessible to others and and make that make that connection between place and other information that you want to connect to. So what I'm going to go to now is in our handout for um, all of our resources and links. And it is the Google presentation that is right underneath, you know, kind of the, the overview. Um On the left side, underneath the video using Google Earth to measure diameter, film on the fly, um, it's the one that says layers of information. I am going to pause our Spanish-speaking Pandora radio, which I left on there. And what I'm going to do to use this is just simply click the little box there beside the slide number, and it's going to open up this presentation in a new window. I'm going to go to View in Google Chrome and enter Full Screen. So now I'm full screen. And this is really acting as if I'm running PowerPoint or Keynote on my computer, but it's running off the web. And one of the most beautiful things about using a Google presentation that runs off the web is the way hyperlinks function. How many of you put a hyperlink into a PowerPoint or a keynote before? And you know, sometimes that can be okay, but you're actually leaving the program and going to a browser. Well, here we're still in the browser. And so this whole idea of working in the web and being able to have content shared, I think we'll see some good examples of how that's powerful here. So thanks to Sally Hill, Google Certified Teacher from Mountain View in 2008, who created this this, uh, particular presentation. This was shared last month when she and... Um, uh, Lisa Thuman, we're doing a Google workshop. And at the bottom of our curriculum, I've got links to the whole session that they did and, and other resources as well. In a Google workshop for educators, it's typically a day. Sometimes they're done in two days. And it is a lot less hands-on practice and a lot more information coming at you fast. So bless you. What I've done with these two days is basically you know, stretched it out and just picked a couple topics to try to go into a little bit more depth with. So Google Maps and Google Earth both allow us to, as Sally says, take off the blinders and help students connect to the world. I am involved now in some projects that focus on STEM skills for students, science, technology, engineering, and math. And we really need to help understand why it is we have fewer students wanting to go into those career fields and what changes their perceptions. I was in Irving, Texas last week on Tuesday interviewing the teacher and some students in a sixth grade class, and we were talking about guest speakers, and the only guest speaker these sixth graders had ever heard at school was a fireman who had showed them how a fire extinguisher works. That's it. They had never had someone else from the community, of the you know, five or six kids I talked to, come and talk to them in their class. In fact, I had a thought, and I haven't registered it yet, but I think I, we should do something called like phone trips or iPhone trips, because... The new FaceTime on this phone allows us to video conference just directly here, and you have app software that can run on your machine. Shouldn't any organization that wants their folks to be doing service in the community be open to the idea of, hey, can you take 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and come talk to a class and tell us a little bit about your career? Anytime we're going to connect to something that has a place in the world, we can use Google Maps or Google Earth to help our students connect. And then, again, like I've talked this morning, we can not only have them watch and see, but we can have them build and create. And they can take content from that interview or a video from the website of, of that organization or, or whatever and then make their own you know, map that includes placemarks and text links, all that kind of thing. So um, all the resources for everything that we're doing today are available on our site. You're encouraged to use those. The whole purpose of the Google Certified Teachers Program um, the workshop for educators, which this is not an official workshop for educators, but I do get to check off boxes to say, yes, I made contributions to Google <laughs> Education in, my, in our area by doing these. All of it is for sharing. and That is the whole purpose, is to help more people know about the tools, use the tools, and help students use the tools. And so uh, I want you to continue thinking about specific ways that you can use these tools. One of the things that I find when I go to a conference or a workshop I usually get my brain filled with all these ideas, but I I need to come up with something specific that I can do soon after the workshop that will help me learn those skills better and implement them. So, I'm going to encourage you, as we talk about ideas this afternoon and just continue, think specific. What could you actually do in the next two to four weeks? We've got the holiday coming up. What could you do specifically that will help you learn to use these tools better? Tom Barrett is someone whose resources we referenced yesterday, and we're going to again, in terms of projects that can use Google Earth. I remember probably back in 1995, when we were just starting to use the internet in the classroom, we talked about scavenger hunts. Tom has a project called Measures in Madrid. These are both hyperlinks that you can get off of this presentation, And for instance, this one's how many planes, the runways at Madrid airport is approximately 4,350 meters, a Boeing aircraft is this long. How many 747s could be placed along the length of the runway nose to tail? Several ways that we could do that project. We could just work that as a straight word problem and use that. But as we saw in the video before lunch, we also have measurement tools inside Google Earth that we can use to do measurements. Um, This example says the building is shaped like a number 8. We know the length of the building is 100, the width is 30 meters. We also know the area is twice the lower quadrant, What's the area of each quadrant. So, you know, we're devising a word problem, but guess what? This is the real world. This is in Madrid, Spain. We can actually go around and tour in Madrid. So I'm going to click this link. It is going to jump out of our presentation. And now we have gone into Google Maps. This should look familiar, because what we have is a lesson that has been entirely built inside Google Maps called 27 measures in Madrid. So when I click the link beside the purple um, character, the purple pin, it says start here, each placemark uh, can assist you with a single task or many. Please color code the placemarks to represent what grade level it's most appropriate. So year one through year six, and there are the different colors. So he's really just created a map legend here. And um, we know how to do this, right? If this is our map, we could click edit. We can change what is represented here by the um, uh, placemark, by clicking on the placemark and then putting more information in. And he's got icons in there as well as he's used colors to make that look very attractive and very readable. So here's an example of an activity. Um, this one, if we see how it's colored, looks like it's for year six, so it's going to be for 10 and 11-year-olds. And this is the Atletico Madrid football stadium. Um, of course, that's going to be a soccer stadium in Spain, not an American football stadium, I'm sure. And it says, use this stadium information to find answers to these questions. How many people can attend an Atletico Madrid game or Madrid game? What is the area of the pitch in meters squared? So when I click this link... Again, we're going to leave the Google Maps environment and now we're on a website called the Stadium Guide and we have got information about the stadium to include the capacity of number of seats. We've got the pitch dimensions which I think is in meters and some of this, um, I guess all this is in English although we've got some links to some things that are in Spanish. So, There's different ways that we can build lessons and we can build curriculum. Um, This example is, you know, building a curriculum actually in Google Maps. And since we have the link to that activity, um, we can access all of this and we're not having to type in any addresses. Um, Here's an example. Uh, It's called Swimming Pool Angles. This pool is shaped like a semicircle. If the angle is a right angle, how many more degrees are needed to make a full circle? So we can zoom in by using our plus icon there. And we have learned today how to change our views. So what are the other we're in the map view now, what are our other options that we we have? And where do we find those options? Okay, I'm not sure if we'll have Street View or not, it'll depend if they have had to Google Cars over there, but definitely Satellite View, and probably Earth View as well, by, um, by choosing these up here. So, look at the difference that that makes, alright? In the Map View, I don't see a swimming pool, but if I go to the Satellite View, there it is, and isn't that cool? So if that's the right angle, how many more degrees will we need? We could do that 360 minus 90, what, 270 degrees. Um, It's just real-world math problems, okay? Now, do we have time to craft an amazing lesson like this every day of the year? Of course not. But that's the wonderful thing about being connected to a community of educators sharing resources is we um, can, you know, we, we can borrow. We can, we can uh, utilize these lessons, um, you know, give credit, share. They can inspire us. They can also inspire our students as well. So as your students do projects like this, as you use um, projects like this, I would encourage you to think and have your students think about how do I make this personal to us. Okay? This is Madrid, Spain. Any of my kids been to Madrid, Spain? Maybe, but probably not in Oklahoma. So what could we do here in Oklahoma? Couldn't we make something like this? Do we have any swimming pools that are unusually shaped? Do we have any stadiums that we could calculate you know, some statistics on? Um, then the students can be involved in creating this kind of thing. And these projects give us ideas for what we can create. So it's not just a matter of, I'm going to just use stuff other people have made. No, I'm going to look at what they've done, maybe use them, but then I'm also going to create things myself. Google Maps as well as Google Earth lets us access layers of information. And whenever I hear the word layers, I don't know if you're a Shrek fan, but I like Shrek. And I always remember the scene when Donkey's talking about Shrek with his onions and his layers. Layers! Okay?
1: That is a lot of layers here.
0: And we're about to go to Google Earth after this presentation. And we're not actually in it. There's going to be things I'm going to show you. And there's all these layers that you can turn on and turn off. Google Earth already has some things turned on. 3D buildings. Um, I don't know if they've got the cloud layer. That was the one I used to think was so cool with weather. It's to turn on the clouds you know, that are over the, the Earth right now. But layers of information. So powerful to think about how we overlay information and data on top of spaces and the ways in which we can then better understand a topic or a concept because we're able to see it differently, visually. So, here's an example of layers of information. Anybody know uh, what this might refer to, this particular slide? I'll give you a hint. This is South America. This is Africa. Think about current events. Okay, good guess. Not Somali pirates, though. Any other guesses what that might refer to? We've got place marks in the middle of the ocean. It's not boats. Boats would be a good guess. Boats were involved in this at the latter stages, but an aircraft was involved. It
1: was the crash.
0: Yes, the crash of Air France 447. So, how can I make these kind of connections with students? Well, if I click on this link, it will take me to the Google Earth blog, where somebody else has created what's called a KMZ or a KML file. And this is going to be the first time I'm going to show you how we go from the web into Google Earth instead of just Google Maps. Now, more and more things we can do in Google Maps, and maybe it'll get to the point where we don't even need Google Earth. Google wants that, right? Their vision is the Google Chrome computer, which, by the way, your organization can now, I just did, apply to Pilot and have some of these uh, provided for free. It is basically just a web browser all the things are through Google Chrome. You know, buy apps for a phone, you buy apps for your browser and you run everything through it. So I think they're working in that direction. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to click on this link. It says there's several useful maps like this one. And you can't see this at the bottom, but the extension of this is .kmz, which is a Google Earth file. There's two kinds, KML and KMZ. So watch what happens when I click on this. I'm going to click this link and it is going to download it to my computer, and when I open it, suddenly Google Earth, which I've already opened, comes to life, and just as before with Google Maps, when we were embedding it, we said, get it set just like you want it, okay? And then you can send that link, and it'll show that same way for others. This particular KMZ file is set to have this exact view, and it gives us Things to click on over here in our temporary places. So, let's do a little orientation to Google Earth. If you don't already, um, just open up Google Earth. And if you don't already have it open. What do you see on the right that looks familiar? We've seen this before. Yeah. Navigation tools. And what are we going to call these things? What are we going to call this bar? What does this do? Yep, it's like the zoom bar, okay? Zoom in and zoom out. Doesn't that make you feel powerful to do? This is just so fun, I think, to do with a large projector and to be able to do with a smart board. My favorite thing to do on a smart board or or an interactive whiteboard of any kind is, is Google Earth. So what else do we have besides our zoom bar? We've got our movement tool. So just like we did on the web, we can click and drag, move back and forth. We also can click these buttons except notice that there's a little more smooth sliding here as we go back and forth, and um, that's, you know, because the computer is doing heavy lifting graphically here. Google Earth is a sexier version of Google Maps. It looks better, it's smoother, it has more features. And then, you remember what this thing at the top was? We saw that when we clicked on the Earth option. Remember what that did? It's tilt and it is rotation. So, we can swing around and rotate. Um, I've had a chance to go to New Zealand a few times. I was an exchange student there in high school. and um, It's funny because you know, we, we tend to just think about the world. Hey, it, it always looks this way. Well, that's just because that's how the maps are drawn, right? So sometimes you'll go to New Zealand and <clears throat> you'll see the southern hemisphere pictured you know, above geologically it's interesting we've had polar flips you know in different times and they say the poles will flip again south pole will be the north pole so um, anyway you can um, do rotations you've got the N there representing north Orient it the way that you want to you also have the ability to tilt and that particularly gets more powerful when you're close to the ground and we have 3D buildings and other kinds of structures and things like that that are built up all right, so that's an orientation to the right side here of Google Earth. I'm going to just check and make sure our audio is still okay. It looks like our audio is and Russ says that yes, he's they're okay, I guess. So, feel free to be vocal there in our in our virtual world here if you don't if you uh, want to ask questions. Um, A nice trick, and on a, on a Windows machine, you can do Alt-Tab. On a Mac, you can do Command-Tab. you do this before where it will show you all your open apps? So when I'm full screen in a browser, this can be a handy way to switch back to another application. It's just Alt-Tab, and that brings up on a Windows machine your different options and Command-Tab on Mac. That's an orientation to the tools on the right side. Let's talk a little bit here about the left side. This panel can be hidden or shown just like we saw with Google Maps. Okay? The button that's right above the corner here, where I'm holding my finger, that is the hide show button for the sidebar. Now, the sidebar can be customized and resized in different ways, but by default, it's in three pieces, three parts. Top part is search. So that's where, just as I did in Google Maps, I can put in Oklahoma City Memorial, and it will fly me to the memorial. Or we saw the example in the video of the Century 2 building in Wichita, Kansas. Type it in and fly there. In the middle, I've got my places. And these are places that I can save just on my computer that are like Google Map Tours. We had those different place marks that we made, and those were different entries. And these are Google Map places or sightseeing tours that we can be viewing. In the bottom, the the third piece of the sidebar, it's called the layers, the layers part. Now, you can resize these, and if you move your mouse to where the little dot is, you can change the relative size. So I could make the places smaller, and I can increase the layers. And there are lots and lots of different things that I can turn on and off in the layers. And we're going to be talking about those, particularly with 3D buildings today. But what I want to do is show you this particular file, which for me has loaded up under Temporary Places as Air France 447. And when I click this little arrow beside it, it is basically nested. And inside here, I have different locations to click on. Same thing we saw on Google Maps, except now we're in Earth. When I click on this link, it is going to show me information associated with this placemark. If I double-click, it's going to zoom in to this particular location. So it says at um, 0133Z. What does that mean? I know what Z time refers to? Zulu time okay so pilots talk about Zulu time and the other way of saying that is what how else do we refer to, to uh, universal time GMT or Greenwich Mean Time okay so which is basically um, a standard that is used to refer to um, a common time because when you're crossing time zones and, and, and that in and aircraft you know you need to be able to have a common reference point so that's used um that was the last contact. I uh, was reporting its uh, fixed arrival. So, and there's, I don't know if that's in Spanish or if it's in Portuguese. I think it, it might be in Portuguese because it's referring to um, Brazil. And I'm not, I would say kilometros if it was in Spanish. And it has a QU for kilometers. So that's not in Spanish. So there's a English, there's a little Spanish there. Here is the next item. And in some cases, I may have to adjust my view so I can see all this. Here is um, our initial um, point. Here's my next one. This is the, should have been the next checkpoint. They never reached it. It would have been estimated at 2.20 uh, p.m. Zulu time. So you think time zones are something students ought to understand? Probably, talking about global, um, we can use different websites to be able to Do uh, conversions for time. One of my favorite to use is timeanddate.com. And you've got time zone converters so you can see, you know, what time is it here, what time is it there. Um, We ought to be doing more projects with students in other kinds of places, and those projects can involve things where we get to just work on it on our own time, but it's often fun to make a a synchronous connection between classes. And so, anyway, time zones and thinking about, you know, what time it is in another part of the world becomes more important when we're having to connect to other people in different places. Um, Here's where the last message was sent from the aircraft. Here's the location where radar contact was lost. Here's the debris field, which is not located along the flight path, but is located over here. And then here's where the first bodies were found. Now, real current event, things that we can read about in the news. In this case, we don't have much embedded, just text, right? But this is a different way to think about interacting with an event, representing what happened, telling the story of what happened. And, of course, your students could not only create their Google Map tour, but they could also record a screencast where they walk you through these different elements and therefore you know, demonstrate their mastery of knowledge and skills using the technology, but you know, using a screencast in conjunction with this could be a powerful way for them to be able to share. So that's just one example. Now, this is saved currently for me in my temporary places, and I'll zoom in here so you can see this. You can load up, and we will load up today, because I'm going to show you a Google lit trip here in a minute, and then I'm going to give you some time to explore one or two of on your own. Anybody have a guess how I could make this permanent for my computer and not temporary? And this is kind of like a Windows question. Whenever you wanted to do something to that file on your desktop, whenever you wanted to make a change, what's always the good way to do that on your computer? right click. Okay? You want to rename a file? Right click. You want to delete a file? Right click. So, when I right click, I have a contextual menu that will come up, and it gives me a choice to save this to my places, to share and post it, to delete it, rename it, do a lot of different things, okay? So, I'm going to go ahead and just delete this one currently. It says are you sure or remove all its descendants. What does it mean by descendants? History well, you know how these little arrows on the side I was clicking, and it's sort of nested? These would be considered descendants of that original file. And we're going to create this today. This is where we're going with this. Is I'm going to show you different examples, and we're going to create a KMZ file and talk about how we can put different elements in it and then how we share it. So I'm going to delete this KMZ file and its descendants. Okay, so now it's gone. Um, and I'm going to go back to my presentation. Classroom applications for uh, Google Maps, we've got a host of different links in the, the website that I provided with you. The Classroom Ideas page that we're linking to here is on our site, and it is in that Educators page. So there's a geo education Page, And so we've got ideas for how to use not only Google Earth and Google Maps, but also Google Sky and Google SketchUp, which I'll be showing you. Um, Because in addition to Google Earth, if you go to your View menu and you look under Explore, you've got Google Sky for all the constellations and for the universe. You've got Google Mars to go explore the red planet. And you have Google Moon. When I visited in uh, Mountain View, California, near Palo Alto in June, I visited the Google campus, and they have probably at least six large, larger than this LCD screens that are vertically mounted in a sort of round room with a big old computer underneath each one of them. And they had something that was kind of like a joystick, but it was round at the top. And it was connected to Google Moon, and you were, f- like, flying the lunar lander, except LCD screens were all around you, and you stood in the middle, and it was displaying the same content that we have here in Google Moon, except it was in a more immersive, kind of like IMAX experience. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, so lots of other ideas and resources that are being shared by educators Um on on that site as well as in other places. So, uh, any thoughts anybody has about classroom applications at this point thinking about Google Earth? What do you observe and and think in terms of the differences? Because we spent the morning in Google Maps and now we've seen a little bit in Google Earth. Are you seeing many differences at this point or thinking about reasons why you might do one versus the other? One thing I
1: of is if you all go
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I defer to Google Maps. When I'm teaching stuff to my students, I teach them Google Maps because I know they can do it. We saw it today it seemed like maybe some differences in web browsers and I don't know what versions they were, et etc. So, I mean, there's going to be some differences. But in general, Google Maps is going to be more accessible. Anything else? Keep thinking along those lines, and I haven't shown you some of the really neat parts of Google Earth yet, which will probably bring out you know some more ideas about how you can how you can use those differently. We've already seen this video. This is a video that is embedded on our on our site, and it's how to customize your own map. Um, again, we were talking about the three different ways you know plain text, rich text, HTML, and the idea of building. A rich media placemark so a placemark that not only tells me where it is but it gives me a lot more information so we did a modification on on this activity Um, this was suggesting you know five important places in your life with my students I usually will have them do at least ten placemarks and then have them do hyperlinks pictures and possibly a video Um, there's issues as we said with you know content filtering and things like that but Being able to create a customized map is really the beginning point. Making it in Google Maps, I think, is a good place to start rather than going to Google Earth. Um, We've already kind of gone through this. Adding a placemark with edit. um, We can also move the cursor where we want to. We've got the three types of text. And... We've got a quotation from Barbara Stocking saying if people really have no understanding of people in place, no way to read the world, then we are really lost. We are in a very interconnected world. We need students to be able to connect with that. And so Google Earth and Google Maps provide a great means by which students can make those geographic connections. So what I want to show you next is on our handout. And I guess before I do that, let let me point out Let me see if we got any questions, actually, from our back channel. All right, you guys are being awfully quiet. I want to point out the the tools that we have here and the crib sheets. So let's look at the crib sheets. Um, Underneath the presentation that I just did, I'm on the left side of our handout, scrolling down. There's the video of Google Earth to Measure Diameter with Pi Day. There's the presentation that I just showed you. The tools, which to date we've only looked at Google Maps and um, and we're starting to look at Google Earth. We'll talk about SketchUp in a little bit. Let's look at the crib sheets. I'm going to open these up in new tabs um, on my web browser, and I'll close out some of these others. Something that you'll notice... Um, you know, as you open up a bunch of things is your computer, depending on how much memory it has and all that, you know, is going to slow down, so it's usually a good idea to kind of go in and close up some windows so you don't have too many things open. These are PDF files which are shared as documents on Google Docs. I can go to the file menu and download it in its original form. I'm free to print this off, give this to my students, put this on the wall, these are all designed as two-page summaries of the tool. So it is going to give you some ideas of why you might be able to um, use it. There's a little expert tip here talking about the directory because there's lots and lots of, um, lots of different tools that other people have created, um, virtual tourism videos, hike searches, earthquake data searches, all kinds of things to be able to explore and just a little bit about Google Maps in Action and additional resources and links that you can um, check out. Um, One of the important things to know about is YouTube. And when my middle daughter here two weeks ago had to do a diagram of a colonial village, I said, hey, why don't we do this in SketchUp? What's SketchUp, Dad? Well, let's figure it out. So we downloaded SketchUp. I've seen, seen it before and know how to do a little bit, but where did we mainly learn? It was on YouTube, because there were so many great tutorials available. This is a channel, which is listed on the crib sheet for Google Maps, that is called Google Maps Help Channel, and there are 17 different videos currently in this channel, so, um, it looks like some of these are in French and some of them are in English, um, And this one might be interesting because we were, we haven't mentioned MapMaker.
2: Let me show this. But half the World's population doesn't have good online maps. Policists so are spread through the globe, and with their help, we can build the best and freshest set of maps available anywhere in the world. Google Mapmaker is a product that allows users to edit and create maps everywhere, roads, rivers, lakes, points of interest
0: like schools and businesses.
2: Users are the local experts. Only you know more about the streets that you live in and the hotels you visit. So our core vision behind this product is to use this local expertise to create the comprehensive maps information and let all users find this information and make use of it. I have spent enough time bemoaning about the lack of good online maps for
3: India. When I played with the initial version of this product, it was like, oh, I can trade roads for my town and it appears instantly. That's cool.
2: Maps happen to be central to things like local commerce, planning investment, especially in the suburban areas and rural areas. Motivation is to give the power of internet in the hands of small businesses which were previously undiscoverable. They had no presence on the web. One of the listings I remember was the listing of a pawn shop in Lahore, Pakistan. I don't believe the listing would have made it to the internet other than the user-generated media.
3: I come from a a state called Kerala. I studied in another state called Tamil Nadu. I've lived in Bangalore for about 10 years. I could actually now map very well three different areas, place where I grew up,
2: a place where I studied, and place where I work.
1: Uh, we also have a very strong feedback and motivation system and it enables the users to trust the data that they see. This product is a result of innovation by the team in India. Uh, the, the product started by observing the need in the local environment but uh, this need applies to a lot of, uh, a lot of the world and a large part of the world is devoid of the kind of local information
2: that this product produces. Google has created an environment where people continuously learn And grow while creating products that have a significant impact on the planet. The three things which I think are good about uh, working in Mm -hmm. the marketing team and Google India are friends, the freedom, and food. Break through the local information barrier. Map your (laughs) your neighborhood. Map your town. (laughs) Map your school. Map your cricket ground. Map your movie halls. Map your (laughs) sweet home. Map your favorite music events.
1: Map your
3: best bookshop. Map your university. Map your village. Map your favorite restaurant. Map anything you want.
0: So that video is two years old. Um, I am not super knowledgeable on the differences between what we're we talking about this morning. Place, was it PlaceMaker, just Google Places and Google Map Maker? I mean, we're in the United States where we've had these you know Google cars driving around, taking pictures, doing you know Google Street View, all of that. The need for I think Map maker, maker initiatives, certainly in urban areas, is going to be very different than in rural places. Um, but just like you said in that video, the difference of being having a footprint on the web, having a local business that has a footprint that wouldn't have one before, um, the Google Places sounds like a place to do that. And <clears throat> most of what I'm going to talk about and have familiarity with are creating maps that are more used for the classroom and not for public. But there's definitely and I know you all have an interest in this as far as agricultural development and rural development, this ability to create content that's then shared back with the community and it gets in maps and layers that the you know world gets to access and that was interesting to see how they're handling moderation and things like that within their community. So Google Map Maker Maker may be something to look into a little further and that might be a workshop, you know, to offer for rural businesses to be able to say, here's, here's a workshop to, you know, update your map and, and your information and, and be able to, you know, use these kinds of GIS applications um, not only to let people know about what you're doing, but, you know, there's other creative ways to use it as well. Um, this is just one about Google Earth, and it is saying 3D terrain and 3D buildings. That used to be a dis- differentiator. Now it's not. Uh, if you get that plug-in, you can have that within Google Maps as well. Um, there, There's a lot of overlap in between what we can do, um, but the the ability to turn the layers on, on and off so easily, is probably one of the main uh, discriminators, and we'll talk about that some more as we look at examples. I'm going to show you Google SketchUp later in the day, and this is a free download that allows you to create, in three dimensions, not only buildings and Furniture and just about anything you can visualize geometrically and mathematically designing full-scale 3D environments uh, sharing those but also other things um, you can make new food products They, you know students can create molecules they can anything that they would want to basically simulate and virtually uh, create they could, they could make the other thing that's in here is kind of interesting this is just a little crib sheet for HTML and we were talking about Dreamweaver earlier <clears throat> Do you need to know HTML no but when you start to work in that box of HTML, sometimes it's helpful to know a little bit about how to add a row or, or eliminate a row, or make a paragraph break, or you know, insert an image. And it's going to depend upon students and whether they're going to want to, you know, have that level of expertise. But that really lets you refine it to look just like you want it. I want a space there. You know, I want you know there to be a small little image there. How did um, Tom Barrett, you know, get those nice little images when he clicked and it showed each of them. How do you do that? Well, those were images, and he probably did that with HTML. So, all of those are free crib sheets that you're free to download and utilize. And what I want to go to now is underneath the activity, and it is in the section called Google Earth Tutorial and Resources. And this is. Um, Um, Google Lit Trips. So, Google Lit Trips, I mentioned yesterday, was created by Jerome Burke, who's a retired English teacher in the Bay Area of San Francisco in California. And the web address is googlelitrips.org. And Jerome was just recognized, um, I want to say maybe a month ago or two months ago, As a Microsoft distinguished teacher, let me see if I can pull up up a reference to his. I I posted on this. Yep, there it is. Google Lit Trips by Jerome Berg, Microsoft Education Award Laureate. So, let's take a look at this video in which Jerome tells a little bit about his project.
2: Jerome Berg, and I'm a retired high school English teacher, 38 years teaching high school English. Started this program where we track the travels of Greek literature on the surface of Google Earth. I had this concept of seeing if I could actually have the kids travel along with the characters as the characters were traveling in their story and see the world from their point of view. Journeying is what we are all doing, we're all on the same journey from our innocence and our not knowing through the experiences that sometimes beat us up a little bit and then we teach us big lessons and so the pedagogy is designed to say, what's this have to do with me? And So they're not questions of what color was somebody's hat in the story or who said such and such. The purpose of the discussion starters is to say, as we follow this story, can I build a connection to the world that 21st century students are going to live in? It seems to me, whether it's paper or not, my concern is the wisdom in those works. They represent international cultures articulated at their best. Now, it has grown so that I now have teachers and students uh, all generating uh, their own literature contentious and many continue to me, so it's becoming a social community.
0: I did not follow my own recommendations mm-hmm. here and pre buffer that. So we've got a pause here. Rome was actually at, uh, in Boulder at the uh, Google Teacher Academy where I was um, doing the Google Earth section. So he was able to share that and teach it. Let's see if we can play it a little bit more. It looks like my video has completely stopped buffering. Or maybe we can talk about what to do. What do you do at this point? This happens in your class. What do we do? Any ideas? <laughs> Start talking. <laughs> um, we can refresh the page, and we were at, at 142. Um, I don't know. We'll go back and check here. Yep, I lost my internet connection. The last time I did that, um, I turned my, my wireless off, and I turned it on again. That can work on a Windows machine as well as on a Mac. Uh, I don't know why that happened, but there we go. We're back online. I always check CNN whenever I do that. So it's loading up the rest of the way. We'll go over here to our audio. And All right. So I'm going to go, uh, go back to our 142 mark.
2: San Francisco with my iPad, reading a book by a San Francisco author as I'm walking by the locations where the story takes place and being given that direction in Google Interest. I, I can't even imagine where I could stop.
0: awesome, awesome project and just a great example of how we can use this creatively. So let me show you two of my favorite examples of Google Lit Trips, and then I'm going to give you an assignment, and we're going to have our afternoon break a little bit after that to uh, explore, and then we're, we're going to create ourselves in, in Google Earth. Google Lit Trips is set up with our grade levels at the top, so I'm going to click on K5, and one of my favorite ones to show is Robert McCleskey's... Make Way for Ducklings. I'm going to do an elementary example, and I'll do a secondary example. So anybody read this book before by McCleskey? I actually think he's a Maine author, and I picked up a, a book when I was in Maine um, by him. This is a, a book about the, the Mallard family, and they're having to relocate, um, and it's very traumatic, and they are searching for, for the new place for uh, their family to live. So a little bit of information about the book, and then up here at the top, it says download, and we see again that .kmz file, which is the Google Earth file. So, when I click that link, it's going to download to my computer, and depending on how my browser is set up, it may open automatically, or I may click it, and then it is going to fly to Boston, Massachusetts, and it is going to have this initial screen Save just the way the author created it, so that it shows the pathway of the Duck family. So, as I click over here, um, there, I think, okay, this is, uh, this is kind of an overview to follow the route. There are 14 different placemarks on this map. We're going to start in the public garden and then go to the state house. And eventually we're going to get to cross the street where um, Michael helps them. Michael, the policeman, helps them cross the road. That's like the most traumatic part. So let's go to the public garden first. Don't underestimate the critical importance of visual literacy and helping students make visual connections with things. One of the best presentations that I've ever seen about one-to-one learning was last November in Chicago, and I heard teachers from Flint, Michigan, who had been doing a one-to-one project for about six years. Their laptops were six years old. They were on their last legs. They were just, you know, putting along. But the stories they told about their kids, who primarily came from low socioeconomic situations, about things like this. Oh, that's what the swan boat looks like. You know, big kinds of connections that absent media and the chance to be able to use the visual media, they might not have made the connection before. It's a big deal. So, this is just the example at the beginning. You're in the public garden. The questions, what are some of the concerns Mr. and Mrs. Mallard have about raising a family? (laughs) Here's the um, boat, or a picture. Here's the duck swimming in the public garden, all right? And then here's the swan boat. That's what it looks like, okay? And he's got some attribution for the pictures here. So this is an example of kind of what we had done earlier with Google Maps, but a little—it's on steroids. You know, it's it's amped up because not only do we have the text and we have the images, we can also have video. But we've got nice questions that have been written by teachers for other teachers who are using this book and teaching this with students. So we can walk through all of the different um, different phases here. In some cases we've got links, alright? So here's where this picture actually came. Wow, there's the state house. McCluskey has, you know, it's beautifully illustrated, but isn't that cool to be able to see the river and see the state house? And the question, you know, what is a state house? What do you think happens in the state house? All right? So good, open-ended questions that we can be asking the kids. This particular book reaches its climax when Michael helps them cross the street. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually turn off over here in, the la- in my layers, my 3D buildings, and I'm going to go to number nine, where Michael the policeman helped them. Now look at the screen and watch. I double-click, so we are going to zoom in right to this vantage point where um, the buildings are. And what I want you to do is look at what a difference it makes when I turn on the 3D buildings. So, if we're going to be visualizing what was that like for the Duck family and crossing the street, you know, we can actually get down here at ground level, we can think about that busy traffic, and this is a big difference between Google Maps and Google Earth. And again, the click box or the check box here is 3D buildings. There, it's just, you know, flat view. Now, 3D buildings. All of these buildings were created in Google SketchUp. All of those buildings went through a vetting process where somebody at Google looked at them, looked at the actual satellite picture, and maybe looked at other information, but basically said, yeah, is that a good representation of what that building looks like? It is. We're going to include it in the 3D warehouse. We're going to include it in um, Google Earth so that people are going to be able to access this. Um, I can go ahead and do a a walkthrough and... You know, kind of follow the path of, of the ducks as they, they go along here using my uh, rotation tools. I can change my views and be able to follow along inside Boston. So think about the ways that this particular tool can let students expand their background knowledge and expand their schema. We're reading a book, we're getting information, we're trying to understand what this means. Oh, But now, let's actually go to that location and let's explore around it. That was mentioned in the book. I wonder if we can find that street corner. I wonder if we can find that park. I wonder if we can find that intersection and be able to see that. Again, over here in the side, I have the opportunity to right-click or on a Mac control-click. I don't have a two-button mouse. And either choose to delete, I can create a folder. So we talked about this yesterday with Google Docs. Be organized, right? Create folders. Put your stuff in folders. I can make a folder and I could put my lit trips inside um, that folder. And um, I can also save this to my places. So instead of being a temporary thing that will be deleted at the time I quit Google Earth, Now, it's going to be saved inside My Places. And I can go ahead and um, right-click in here and say Add a Folder. And I can call it Google Lit Trips. I could put other information in the description field there. And then, just like I would with um, a Google document, I can click and drag and drop that, and so now, I'll zoom in so you can see this better, I've got a folder called Google Litrips, and inside, I've got Make Way for Ducklings. I can also rename that. There's a lot of other choices of what I can do, and if I want to rename um, Boston Ducklings, whatever I want to, I can, I can change that. I'm not stuck with the original names that were there. Just like I turn the 3D building layers on and off over here, I get to turn on and off places over here on the side. So I'm going to turn off the Make Way for Ducklings Lit Trip. I might as well point out here that there are other things in here that I can click on that are part of the layers that Google Earth provides. You've got photos that people have submitted through probably things like Google Places and Google Mapmaker. Um, you can turn, you know, turn some of those things on and off. Um, there's a lot of layers under here. I mean, under Global Awareness, um, you know, you've got Greenpeace has a layer, Jane Goodall has a layer, UNICEF has a layer, um, the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum has a layer for Darfur. There's a lot of different things. And so this is part of the exploration, too. Is I'm not only going to encourage you to explore this with the Google Lit Trips, but explore the other layers that are here. Because these are, are uh, KML files and KMZ files that are here in the layers that are always available. You don't have to go download something separate to see it. Let me show you one more example of a lit trip. This time I'm going to go click on the K-12 at the top to go to a high school example. And all of these lit trips have been vetted by Jerome. So in this, uh, he, you saw him talk about the Kite Runner. Anybody read the Kite Runner? I was looking at it last night at Barnes & Noble. I haven't read it yet. But um, he was actually the contributor in this case. But not always. A lot. Most of these now, I think, have been uh, created by other people. What I want to go to is The Odyssey by Homer. <laughs> and The Odyssey is interesting because it, as a work of mythology, um, you know, people have different ideas about it and where, it would, where Homer would have intended it to take place. And there are two different versions of The Odyssey. There's uh, the, the geographic Google Lit Trip version of The Odyssey. There's one version which is basically um, Grecian-centric, right around the peninsula of Greece. And then there's another version that goes all around the Mediterranean. So, in order to see one of these, I'm going to click on the link. It's going to download, and I'm going to click on it. And here we are, flying across the Atlantic Ocean, all the way over to the peninsula of Greece. Now, in this particular one, we have... The site of Troy, and as I click on this, I'm going to close it, and I have a geography question for you. Why do you think? And as this kind of, it depends on our speed and our internet connection. I saw Brad Pitt storm the beach of Troy. That should have been over here. Is this a mistake? Why is Troy in three di- three dimensions? depicted over here instead of being shown on the coast? You think it's Hollywood? I'll give you a hint. There's a good geographic answer for this. How long ago was the nation or was the city-state of Troy in existence? Anybody know? Use the tools at your fingertips. Google Mm -hmm. Troy. Okay? Okay. Uh, there you go. Coastline. It has to do with coastline, sediment. So Troy, Homeric Troy, um, they, they place it either in the 12th, 13th, or 14th century B.C. Okay, so a long time ago, and yes... In the course of history, in the course of centuries, as the rivers flowed and the sediments came down, the coastline expanded and moved. And so this used to be on the coast, but it is no longer. And when I was 13, I actually went to Turkey. My my, uh, grandmother... Lived in Lubbock, and there's an archive of Turkish oral narratives, and they came and did a little song and dance about their trip at her retirement community, and she decided to go. My mom and I went. So I've actually been there, and it's in in uh, multiple layers. There's like seven different layers of Troy that they've dug down to, but there's an example of a question. I mean, why is it there? Is that accurate or not? I can zoom in again. This is created by what program? SketchUp. Yes, somebody created this in Google SketchUp. They put it in the 3D warehouse, and then at some point it was added to Google itself. So you don't have to download this as a separate item. So we've got a picture that overlays of what modern day, modern day ruins of Troy look like. Um, A little description the site of the 10 year mythological war and the place of death for heroes like Achilles, Hector, Ajax, Paris, and Sarpedon. Odysseus helps end it by coming up with the idea of the Trojan horse. Note the river Scamander running along the front. Today, the ancient site of Troy is an archaeological dig open to tourists. So, in addition to the picture right here, it says read more about the archaeological dig at Troy, clicking here. So, as you are using Google Earth, and this is a change. It now has the ability for you to view web pages right here inside the application instead of having to jump out to go to your Chrome or Firefox or whatever web browser you were using. And that is nice because of this integration. So as you think about using these tools and your students creating with these tools, this can be part of the rubric that you build in. When they're creating placemarks, do they need to provide hyperlinks, um, plate ways in which they can um, get more information? Um, others can get more information. Here's a shot of Troy's beachfront, and we've got uh, a picture of a reconstructed... I don't know how you say that. Tri, how do you say it? tri Cool. So, um, and you've got this entire... Um, Sure. Something else that you can do, and I'm not sure. There's a way with some of these that you can actually um, fly through the entire thing. And I don't know whether, we'll see this in a second probably with the, um, the sightseeing tours that they've got in here. Real quick, I'm just going to. will download the um, alternate version. So that was the that was the version that was centered around the peninsula of Greece. We've got another version. Okay, we can have both of these together. Notice the first one is in green. The second one is in red. I can turn off version one, and um, I can go to these different sections. Some of the things like Troy are going to be the same. But other things are different. So, the sirens. Where were the sirens? Odysseus was the only man to hear about the sirens. You know, where were they? Well, I don't know. It's mythological, but some some folks might place them here. Notice that... I don't know if that's going to stop. I guess it was a matter of it rendering. You decide in Google Earth what you want to put inside your pop-up window, but then also what angle do you want the view to be, what direction is it going to point, all of that stuff gets saved with the place mark. And so you make that decision and, and those choices, people can then explore around where you've put the place mark. But um, that's, those are all decisions that are, that are up to you. Okay, the last thing I'll point out, and then I'm going to um, start... Uh, a break as well as some work time. Is I want you to notice that here inside my places on the side you've got a link that was already there called the sightseeing tour. And it says make sure the 3D buildings layer is checked. Google Lit Trips is an example of customized Google Tours that have been created by different teachers. And similarly, underneath the sightseeing tour we've got different um, examples of, of tours that we can view so uh, I'm going to go first to Rio Brazil to see Christ the Redeemer so I'm going to double click and wherever I happen to be in Google Earth it is going to fly to that location and again it is going to stop in the with this in, in the same angle at the same um point of view as the person who created it, you know, whatever whatever they set in that place mark, right? So, when you want to show students different things, certainly you can type up here in the search box and say, pardon me, Niagara Falls. But by saving a place that you find here inside my places, you can make that process a lot faster of going there so let's go to St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City we'll fly back across the ocean and again this is fairly bandwidth intensive in terms of all the downloads that it's going to get as it makes this makes this image refresh Well oh, I haven't done the Titanic yet All right, so here here we are in Vatican City and we're gonna actually have the buildings of Vatican City that have been created in Google SketchUp. And as I click on these, there's going to be information that's gonna be able to come up. Panoramio is one of the projects that's user-created content. And so I can see um, images that have been submitted by other people so here's a photograph of the dome at St. Peter's Basilica that's part of the Panoramio project I can go back into Google Earth um, and I can look for other, other places that I can click on they're going to be hyperlinked and it's going to have different photographs and angles and things like that that I can do let me try the Titanic real quick to see if this is going to take us under the water I bet it is or maybe it's just going to put us on the location. Is he going to go under the water? Yes! How cool is that? All right. So, there is the remnants of the Titanic that folks have drawn. And I can rotate around those objects. And, you know, depending upon how these things have been designed, it's even possible to be able to go inside and have greater levels of detail and things like that. What I would like for you to do, and it is 2.10, is I want to give you... um, Let's try 20... Well, let's do 30 minutes because we'll do a 10-minute break and 20 minutes of work. So I'm going to set the timer for 30 minutes. Let's take a break and I want you to explore at least one Google lit trip of your choice and I want you to explore something else it can be in, inside the sightseeing tours here and you can explore some of those um, or as I mentioned down here below in the layers if you for instance click on um, global awareness or if you go to the gallery you've got earthquakes discovery networks the European Space Agency NASA National Geographic I mean there's so much here um, so explore at least one Google it trip and something else I'm going to set the timer for 30 minutes And um, afterwards, I want... And, of course, you can share as we're talking, too. But I want you um, to just plan to share a little bit about some of the things that you learned during that exploration time. Okay? Any questions? Okay. Your afternoon break has officially started, and we will do more verbal sharing as a group here in about 30 minutes. Yes, feel free to... Sure. And I just yeah. I, I don't know what did Yesterday, I had to turn my turn my wireless off and then turn it back on. Let i I will. I mean I
1: I have share For the the one features on, but also on the.
0: If you find something that you want to share, you want to go ahead and drop it into the back channel chat so we can link back to it and refer to it. Feel free to do that. Yeah, I would look at at least one of the lit trips and then explore something else, which can be in the virtual tours and the layers there, or.
1: There, go ahead and open up the folder there. The side of the graph. Oh, then oh then that's, the that's right there. That's and okay. yeah. and then the Jeremy yeah, box. Yeah, there's a
0: few of yeah. them that they did that way, maybe because they wanted to distribute the PDF along with it, okay. I'm not sure why they did that. It's not all consistent. I
1: yeah.
0: And that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time working on is seeing how that process works. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. People have have made money developing that skill, and just like in World of Warcraft, people you know build up characters and end up selling them and stuff. People have monetized that to say, I can build your build your your Google's presence. Yeah. So, you zoom in. Use the plus slider to zoom in close, and then
1: okay. For some reason I was zoomed in all the way this Right,
0: and then um, this uh, up here at the top is your is your pan your pan tool. Yeah. Here. So this pans. You know, so you're not looking vertical from the satellite, click on that and you can you can pan back and forth. Like I think this is the Coliseum. we'll take another five minutes or so to keep exploring and then we'll just kind <clears> of <throat> do a little show and tell time to have you talk a little bit about something you saw and you can share the link to it or i'll pull it up when you describe it and we'll put the link into the back channel and we'll kind of share a little bit about some of the things we've discovered
1: the church first Really? Yeah, and you know, we were showing them maybe Google earth, kind of what it looked like. And there, but I don't know if they just, someone hadn't done a great representation of it, but I'm, I'm looking at this one in the story, and that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But the one we saw was just. It wasn't as, detail. as detailed?
0: So. As <clears throat> Well it depends on you know so, where you find the source. Was that in yeah. the tour section or how did you find uh, that? that was, was from
1: Google Literature? Oh okay. And the, the other one we just kind of you know typed it in and flew
0: there. Right. So yeah. that's the well we'll talk about it because the the three D warehouse is where people submit all kinds of um buildings. And obviously, there's multiple people you know building building buildings, so there's different versions
1: oh yeah, I bet. <laughs>
0: What book was it, you remember?
1: Oh, um, it anth- was big anthology. Tell me about all this big anthology. I've never read that book before. I've never seen any stuff. Oh. Big, big, big. That's what we read. Really and the leading power of Jesus is very beautiful.
0: All right, prepare yourself for the bell. I'll turn it down a little bit. All right, well, why don't we do a little show and tell, and if you want to drop your link into... The chat, you can, or somebody else can do that for you. I can do that as you're, as you're talking and sharing. One of the things that uh, I think might... Well, I know that I need time to be able to explore and, and discover you know, some of these kinds of things. Um, but it's a mix. It's a mix of having somebody be able to show you some things and, and you know, show you possibilities... But then also uh, being able to have have time to explore it on your own. Let me go see if my internet has gone down again, which it has. Huh? Maybe not. Much more so than they were yesterday. We didn't have any trouble with the internet up and down, and today we do. Okay, so we are. We are back. Oops. All right. So we are back again. I apologize that <clears throat> our Internet has been a little bit up and down. Hopefully everyone got a chance to do some exploring. So... Um, We're just going to kind of open up, uh, open up a little bit here, and see what what you all want to share. I explored a couple different things, but what what did you all explore and discover in our break and work time? Anybody like to go first? Okay, so you found that inside the Sightseeing tour that was already there. You really see the importance of a lot of bandwidth and connectivity with Google Earth, especially when you've got a lot of layers on. That's why not all the layers are turned on, because every time you have more layers turned on, there's more data to load, there's more stuff to you know, transmit to you. Huh. Did you get to Iraq through um just flying there and searching? Terrible as far as resolution or
1: Well you can't get very close. When you get close, they just fly
0: down. Poor resolution pictures. Interesting.
1: Well, <laughs> well Google well, Google car yeah. well, and probably. <laughs> and then I tried to go we tried to see the other day go on my family out in Iraq and it's
0: like out. Yeah. You know, it's real interesting. Um, Groom Lake, which is Area 51 in Nevada, mm, not very good resolution there. You know, locations of, uh, you know, bases and things like that, I think, in we Russia and some other places. Him. In fact, we had somebody at our church a couple years ago. <clears throat> I did a five-part series called Exploring the Biblical World with Google Earth. And you can even find it on iTunes. I don't know whether it's the best thing to leave permanently on iTunes because I am not a biblical, you know, I'm not a scholar like somebody who's been to seminary. But one of the comments that came out of a participant um, sharing was that at a particular time when Israel was shelling the Palestinians, in Google Earth at that time there were you know stuff had been real visible and clear and then oh all of a sudden you couldn't you know zoom in and see that see that part so you wonder about you
2: know
0: how Google has to manage you know that kind of thing that kind of thing as far as you know what's classified and what's too much information and
1: <clears throat>
0: oh okay <laughs> really? So did you do Times Square under the sightseeing tour? Um, I
1: just did
0: to the tour. Okay. I mean, I kind of think that Google Earth in the classroom should be the kind of thing where... Huh. Now that's interesting. I need to put Times Square in New York. Where if we are going to be studying something... You know, let's fly there. Let's take a look at it. Let's pull it up and examine and see what we can see there. So, what did you do to get to the street view? Um, I don't think I'm gonna... I remember. Okay. So the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of exciting.
0: So, just like we did there, is that the ball? What is that?
1: I think that's the picture. It's a picture. That's, they have the little round glove-looking
0: thing. I'm like in the middle of buildings there.
1: Uh-huh. You get a the street. Drop the man? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. It's a little crowded <laughs> whoa look at
0: that There are some interesting blog posts that people have of like embarrassing things that have been you know captured with satellite pictures and street view and. Really? How funny.
1: <laughs> See get get famous. Um it had these two guys fighting down the street and one was running away from the other one and just catch up to him them.
0: In a place like Times Square, um, if you have the photos turned on in the in the uh, layers, so under your layers and under primary database, you've got borders and labels, places, photos. Um, basically, all these little dots are different panoramic photos that people have geolocated to those, to those spots. So there is a vetting process. Um, this is a project. You can click <clears throat> misplaced, inappropriate, comment on it, and then you can upload your own picture. So that's a user created content project that would be an interesting thing to ask. Do we have any panoramical photos here in Oklahoma? Is that one of the things I'd love to see more schools do, I, I heard a, a presentation in Tennessee in September where uh, a class of students basically adopted the Wikipedia article for their community and they worked to improve it. Now, first off, they had to get unblacklisted because people had put spam up on the uh, site before. And so Wikipedia editors had actually blocked the IP address of their whole school so they couldn't do any editing from their location. But once they overcame that, you know, they ended up learning a tremendous amount and they improved the visibility of their community and, and, you know, the the Wikipedia presence by, you know, putting relevant links, adding additional information, you know, further elaborating on the article and they learned a whole bunch of stuff. So in the case of Panoramio, that would be interesting to say, you know, which what communities, uh, you know, don't have a footprint here um, is that something that we could, you know, have our journalism students do, or students in some other class do? I don't know. Well, and yeah, <laughs> and you know what? The reality is, someday with face recognition software, we're probably, you know, going to be able to have that kind of search. I mean, they say in London you can't, you know, you can't go out without um, being on multiple cameras and that security forces and things like that have definitely advanced that kind of technology, so. Oh, to Disney. Oh, to Disney, okay. Did you just type it in or did you... Actually, I think I went
1: to a personal
0: site. Okay. Let me point out before I leave that when you fly somewhere like this, you can right-click it and then you can save that place. And then it goes down into the middle column under places. So this is how you can start to build your own location one way. We're going to talk about the tools that are up here at the top. But that's one way that you can start to, to build. So we'll go back up here. And, that, and it's probably a good idea to turn things off kind of as you're exploring different things. Don't have too many things turned on. Okay, so it was a sightseeing tour, and then there was Disney. Huh. Here in the middle? Uh,
1: yeah. Maybe I had gone
0: there before. You might have gone there before and it might have saved it under. But did you go to Disney World or Disneyland? Disneyland. Wait a minute. That's an ad on Travelocity. I don't see that. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Disney World 24. Oh, okay.
1: Even like little
0: Lots of detail. You know, just like when the internet first came and we thought, wow, all the information. I think Google Earth is kind of that way now. You know, smart boards with the adults. Oh, wow, look at the smart board. You know, oh, wow, look at, the, look at Google Earth. Well, the wow factor is this becomes normal a lot faster for kids than it does for us. And you know, thinking about how how to use these tools, how can you create a project with this? How can your students um, I mean it's so easy to be you, Where did you go here? Oh you need to Where do it I need me to them?
1: It's, uh... well, maybe it kind of of okay there
0: we go Well, let me, uh, let's talk a little bit about the tools I want to show you, uh, we'll do a couple other shares as well, but we need to talk about some of the tools that are up here. Google Earth has far more button options here at the top of the screen than we have with Google Maps and one of the first ones to introduce you to is the ruler. It is the fourth from the right. It looks like a vertical ruler and it has the option or gives you the choice to measure the distance between two points on the ground you can both create a path and you can just do a straight line. So, if, I zoom in, if you zoom in to a location, so here's a location at Epcot, and if I want to know what, what the distance is between, you know, two buildings, with the line tool, if you take a look here at the screen, I'm going to click to define my starting point, and then I'm going to move my mouse, Um, to my ending point and click, and it's going to show me that link. You can change your units. Who knows what a Smoot is? You heard of a Smoot before? All right. So, our good friend Google, you can or Wikipedia, you can put in Smoot. Basically, there was a guy named... I didn't say Smoot, I said Smoot. There was a guy named Smoot, I think at Harvard, and sometime they... I measured a bridge with him or something. It was a oh no, it was MIT and it was a fraternity prank. Prank. It is named after Oliver R. Smoot, a fraternity pledge to Lambda Chi Alpha, who in October 1958 lay on the Harvard bridge between Boston and Cambridge and was used by his fraternity brothers to measure the length of the bridge. So anyway, that's just a little trivia. We're not going to probably be measuring in smooth. but being able to convert between miles and meters, feet, yards, being able to see those kinds of comparisons. Um, that's just a simple measurement you know in between two two different points. Make this personal again. Uh, I'm going to put in my address and I'm going to measure the path that it takes for my girls to walk to school and we can uh, find our uh, elementary school and we can um, do this as a path. So we're going to start at our house. We're going to go down the street, um, walk down to that street. We've got to go all the way across here. And we're going to go down the street over here, all the way around. finally we get to school. So that distance is 1.5 kilometers. It is 0.93 miles. I can go ahead and save that. And so this is a path measurement that I'm going to be able to save. And I'll say path to Chisholm. And when I save that, that is now saved up here. In places where I have flown to, and similarly to other objects, I can right-click it and I can add it. Now, I mentioned folders earlier. If you would like to create a Google Lit Trip or you know a Google trip somewhere, and you're going to have a series of place marks, a good way to start that project is to create a folder. I'll make a folder. Where's the church that the candy cane was? You uh, in France? So maybe we just call it Candy Cane. I mean, you make a folder, Candy Cane Project. And then, as you find different things, you will add those things to a folder. And you can also add those to um, a path, a polygon, a model, a tour, a photo, and an image overlay. Um, I'll just... uh, I could save this into a folder and just call it my neighborhood. One of the ones I wanted to show you that I found um, I put into the chat. I think this is pretty amazing. This is I've got to zoom out. I love these kinds of projects. this is um the sea ice index. So this is going to show us what the polar ice... I think I lost my connection. Let me see. Maybe not. Nope. So one of the links that we have on our uh, page, and I went ahead and put the... uh, video that I showed with the Microsoft Education Award for Jerome Berg. I I put that on separately. Below that, there's something called the Google Earth Gadget Gallery. And there's all these different galleries of different things. One of the ones I found was this. Polar Sea Ice Extents, 1979 to present. So one of the things that's different about this one, and I'm just going to I'll delete it, and I'll download it again. is this one has a slider that lets me change the time that I'm looking at the sea ice extent. So right now it's showing for 1978 in purple that was the extent of the sea ice in December so this would be at the you know the extent of the winter. I can go ahead and slide this and here's 1986 here's 1994 2001, okay, uh, here's where we are currently. So, how cool to be able to have that kind of an overlay, and so there are, are di- in this case, diagrams or polygons that are on top of the map, and as I drag the slider, it changes which ones are shown. So, being able to show change over time, I, didn't, I do not know how to make that, um, how to create that. Again, that would be something good to have somebody who's a, a guru with, you know, Google Earth has created that kind of stuff to show us how you might create that kind of thing. One of the great things about Google today is, is that does that have to remain a mystery? If you've got a student who wants to create something like that, it's very discoverable, right? You've seen that it's possible, now how do we do it? You know, we can Google for it and go into the documentation and, and find out how to create that. Um... Huh. in some cases um, like here they're actually painting the, the polygon as white so it's not just a object with the, you know that's open in the middle it's, it's uh, actually been filled another one that I found was um, ancient Rome and I think I dropped this link in as well This is called Rome Reborn, a digital model of ancient Rome from the University of Virginia. It's romereborn.virginia.edu. And this one had two different layers. The first layer that it said to download first was the terrain of ancient Rome. So this is really cool because when we look at a current satellite view, obviously we've got all kinds of buildings and roads and everything. But this overlays what it was like in ancient times before we had so many buildings and before we had so many roads. Then there's another layer that you can get which has over 5,000 buildings that have been built showing um, different buildings in the ancient Roman world and we can zoom in to take a look at these buildings.
1: Could you turn off the lighting?
0: Yes, that in fact is probably a good idea. No, I don't think so because this is a special layer that's up here, and so let me see if I can use our pan tools. So, because this is something that's important as far as the 3D effects to know about the north, the thing that has the north on it, the things that, let- that lets us rotate. Inside that is the button that does the paint. I mean, look at this. So 5,000 buildings that they've built here, um, you know, recreating ancient Rome. And when I click on one of these yellow buildings, it is having a pop-up with a very fancy, um, you know, multimedia information page about it. So... This gives us information about that specific building and temple. It gives us a link to the website. And then it gives us links to two KMZ or KML files. One is the ancient terrain, and the second is the ancient Roman buildings. I have not seen this. Do you you all um, know any kids who read fan fiction? Do you know about the website Fan Fiction? fanfiction folks um, one of the girls that we well not one of the girls the girl who we <coughs> um, carpool with in the morning is uh, 10th grader I think. Yeah. and uh, fanfiction.net is a site where kids are writing uh, books cha- a chapter at a time and there's all kinds of things that you can find there some appropriate some not for instance Harry Potter fanfiction is very popular where people write different you know, versions of stories about the, the Harry Potter characters um, we talk about this because um, there's different... We were talking about it this morning, actually, on our way to our way to school. Um, you know, another possibility is you could end up having, you know, a story that, that takes place in different locations and you could have that story, you know, where you link and you go to different pieces of the story um, because you've got this ability now to create a placemark, you know, create an object and then be able to Attach media to that, attach text, attach images. What else did you all find? Let's see if we've got anybody in our chat room. Brian already put in the National September 11th Memorial. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, yeah, I found it on that same kind of a gadget. The
0: or just the, um, the or oh, wow. So it's a 3D model of what the museum is going to look like. Oops.
1: Yeah, I clicked the right thing.
0: So in this case, this is a little bit different. I opened this in Firefox, and it gives me the pop-up to say, you know, you've chosen to click this file. Are you sure you want to open it? Yep, I want to open it with Google Earth. All right. Well, again, we're we're taxing our Internet connection as we... Mm -hmm all sit here downloading these various files. And it is a good idea to turn off layers that you don't think you're going to need when you're doing your Google Earth Exploring. Goodness. Is this what it looks like now at ground zero? that all dug out, or what is that? Yeah, I'm on the it's w, WTC Memorial Final. Maybe do I need to turn on 3D buildings? I wonder if that... Yeah, I turned them off, so... Uh, no. Oh, here we go. Okay. One of the things that you can do that's a practical classroom thing with this is inside the preferences for Google Earth there are settings for the cache and that means, so like in preferences it says 3D view, cache, touring, navigation, general. It sets the size of the cache which is the part of your hard drive that's being used to save pages like when you load a web page it saves it in the cache. So you can increase that if you want to and you can preload Objects and they'll be saved in the cache, and then you'll go there faster during class time. So it's kind of like a a YouTube video, like I was saying. If you play it, let it load up and buffer, then when you play it, you know, it's going to be immediate rather than having to wait for it. There's an iPhone app that the uh, World Trade Center Memorial has created as well. Um, What I just did. Us or any of our folks at our remote sites want to share any links to anything that you all had found, or what's that?
1: Oh,
0: and did you find that just by searching for it? Oh, wow. So, and I'm noticing that on some of these there's a lot more, a lot more that's loaded. You might think about, you know, Google Earth as something that you end up doing on the on the whiteboard, you know, or at, with with whole class kinds of activities. And because of just the sort of issues we're running into now with everybody loading and the whole thing being slow, you'll find Google Maps to just be a lot more responsive and you know a lot quicker as, as students are building things. So this is kind of like the Cadillac version, um, fancier stuff that you can do. But there's definitely you know a ton of Very powerful and constructive things that we can also do. Say again? On
1: the the building? Well, on the memorial.
0: You might go ahead and click off some of the uh, additional things that you've loaded just to save your machine from having those all loaded up and kind of turn those off. Um, Let's talk a little bit about... Let's talk a little bit about some of these other tools. Um, And I want to play play part of a video for you uh, where a student is is talking about uh, using Google Earth and and some example activities that they did. Um, If you mouse over at the top of your Google Earth screen, the different uh, tools, we've already talked about hiding the sidebar. The one right beside that should look familiar. It's the placemark tool. And let's experiment with how that works. So we can click on our placemark tool and wherever we click with our mouse or wherever we drag the placemark, we're going to create a placemark for that location. One of the things that you notice here is latitude and longitude that's showing up. So we know the latitude and longitude of a location. We can actually put that in in order to create the placemark. We give that placemark a title. We define the style and color. Here's where we define the view and we define the altitude. So these are all the things that are going to be saved with that placemark. When we click it, it's going to go to that time. Is there a particular date and time that we want to assign to that placemark that we're going to have? In addition, we can go up here and click on the actual icon of the thumbtack, and you probably see some familiar things. These are similar to what we have in Google Maps with our push pins and our different kinds of icons. You can add custom icons, but unlike Google Maps, which requires you to use ones that are on the web, this time you get to browse to your computer. So if you have an icon somewhere that you've saved or that you've created, um, students have made with some kind of a uh, graphics program, then you can browse to that icon and use that uh, icon for... Um, your placemark. those icons when you create a folder that's going to be a Google tour um, or a, a KMZ file those are going to be saved with it so the person is going to download the icons and um, the different items that, that you put in with it that's why some of those Google lit trips and things are larger because they include more custom icons or pictures and things like that um, that they put in in here inside the description is where you will put the um, videos and let me um, let's see if I can find. One of the things that I can turn on are um, streets and here are roads. So if I turn my roads on, then I should, once they load, be able to see uh, labels for my roads. just like we had uh, embedded pictures or images and we had put uh, video the difference in um, putting video here into the difference in putting an image in is um, I don't think you can browse to it I think you have to refer to it on the web and so I think you're going to need to use the image link that corresponds to, to, to getting that image so On Flickr, when you're looking at a Flickr picture, when especially if you search for a Creative Commons image, um, it will give you the text, the code that you need in order to embed um, that picture. So as an example, not all all pictures that are shared on Flickr, for instance, are shared um, publicly so that you can do that. Um, But here's an example. When I have this picture, I can click underneath "Share this" and grab the code. This code would actually make that image um, show up, uh, and I wouldn't have to learn the learn the HTML code in order to get that put in. But um, I really, I mean, it's possible to you know to build uh, the same kind of Google Lit Trips as what we saw uh, Jerome, you know, building. Your students can build those kinds of things. They're going to f- um, find items by searching for them. When they uh, click over here, they can again add it to uh, as a new placemark. They can you know, put it in a folder, um, add it to a tour, do, it, do those kind of things. But that process is going to be similar. Google Earth has the options to add polygons and to, um, to create paths. You can also add image overlays. So if you wanted to have a historical map that you wanted to show and you wanted to overlay that right on top of the current map, then that would be called an image overlay. And so you're going to browse to the map or whatever it is that you want to put. And then look at this. You adjust the transparency. Okay? How opaque or how clear do you want to have that? And again, you will define all the things about altitude and location and all of that. Um, You can also record a tour. So you can have um, a tour that somebody can uh, take and be able to play that can take you through uh, a particular location or a particular place. And I'm going to go, I think, for the tours. We'll see how this works as far as the Internet. We've been working in Google Earth up to this point. I'm going to go up to the View menu and choose Explore Mars. And so instead of looking at Earth, now... I am going to switch, and this is still part of the Google Earth program, but it is going to now take me to Mars, and I'm no longer on our planet, (laughs) and I'm going to see all of the Google Earth layers and tours and everything like that that have been created for Mars. So underneath Guided Tours over here, I've got some different videos, and does anybody know who Ira Flato is? Science Friday. Yeah. So here's an introduction to Mars from Ira Flato. and let's
1: take a look at this, okay.
0: knowing you. And then there's also one that Bill Nye, Bill Nye the Science Guy, has recorded. Okay, so let's turn this up. <laughs> some reason, my audio is not working. Oh, and that seems to be working okay. Mm-hmm. Alright, we'll try a different one. So, these are recorded tours that they have made with Google Earth. I'll check my connections here and see. Well, let me do this another way. Got another video loaded. Try not to blast everybody out. I'm really taxing my computer with all this. I mean, we've been. Okay, my audio appears to be working. Um, I don't know. Let's see if I, I have Google, Google preferences here that reply to audio. I don't see any choices. There's, you know, different kinds of settings that you can do here when, for both recording a tour as far and, and for viewing a tour. Um, I was just looking to see if there was something where I was going to be able to adjust my audio settings. Be able to hear the tour. All right, I do not know why we are not hearing the voice of Bill Nye the Science Guy taking us through our tour of Mars. Bummer. Um, in a tour, in addition to having, in addition to having Google Earth, um, Mars, you know, the model like you have Google Earth. You've also got the opportunity to bring up different images, have a slideshow. So, I mean, just think about this as a whole presentation environment. It's like you're inside a dynamic PowerPoint or keynote presentation, except also you've got Google Mars or Google Earth that you can go anywhere on. You can zoom in. You can have image overlays. You can do all kinds of things um, with with it. Um, There are different historic maps here that we can turn on. So... Like that's upside down. So this is an example of the overlay that I was talking about. So here's Nathaniel Green's 1877 map of uh, Mars. Here's a Giovanni Schiaparelli's 1890. Here's an 1896 map, <coughs> and we'll go all the way up to the Air Force in 1962, and probably what they did with I think was Pathfinder, maybe what they sent to Mars the missions sure that I remember. Um, so, I apologize if that did not work. That is actually a, one of those pretty amazing things. Maybe my computer is tired at Thank this you point. Yours isn't working either? It. Okay. So, that, that should, and like sometimes if you ever see Google having a booth at a conference or whatever and they're showing off Google Mars and Google Earth, those tours are pretty impressive things that um, you can show folks. And, it's it's good to see that not only do you get to play the tours that others make, but you can create tours yourself. So um, lots of different possibilities here. So this is like a whole other Google Earth, but it's just from Mars. Obviously, there's not as much that we've mapped and as much you know as many things as we know about. But be aware that under the under the view um, option, you've got the choice to. Um, go to Google Mars. Now up here at the top you'll have some different choices and um, this one's kind of cool this one turns on the shading um, so you're going to be able to see what's, um, you know, what's dark and what's light at different times and that's a button that's there at the top uh, to show sunlight across the landscape um, and then if we want to exit and go back what's that? That's okay. I
1: just said I think I crashed into the school. Oh, did you? Because I just started going directly down towards him. Uh, Will joystick work
0: on You know what? I have not flown the flight simulator, so I do not know. You're not flying it yet? Okay. Well, be aware that, and I'm not going to take time to to go to those, but we also, in addition to Google Mars, have Google Sky and Google Moon to be able to explore. Um, You know, how are you going to learn all this stuff? How are your students going to learn all this stuff? Every time you open the program, there's going to be new tips. There's going to be um, new ways that you, you know, new suggestions for things that you can explore. I would say that YouTube is probably one of the best ways to learn about how to do new things in any of these kinds of tools, uh, because people are recording screencasts and demonstrating, you know, with, with especially the case of the officially created ones, uh, a lot of clarity. You know, here's how you can make your own map. Here's how you can create your own tour, um, etc. I want to show you uh, a little bit of a video that was created in this fall by Colby Ratzliff, who is now a high school student in Emporia, Kansas. And I mentioned yesterday the K-12 online conference, which K-12 is a fantastic conference that is free and it's gone on for five years now. I don't know if I loaded this up already. Yeah, I did. Colby was one of our keynoters, and we had 42 presentations that were shared during the conference. And uh, this presentation, uh, which I put into the chat, was uh, the keynote in our student voices strand. So we actually had 10 presentations that were all done by students. Many of these, of course, the teacher assisted and helped with. But uh, these were projects that students had done and created. So this video is um, I'm going to play the beginning of it and um, then I'm going to move to the 10 minute part or the 10 minute point um, because Colby talks about specifically what they do with Google Earth and how they use Google SketchUp which is something I want to show you to create he actually designed their own school building and built that all on Google Earth (laughs)
3: group of technology already at my disposal. Not that my parents enjoyed a three-year-old messing around with their brand new computer back in 97. Ever since then, I've seemed to be hooked on anything that runs on electricity, from phones, video games, TVs, even computers. I can go on all day about things I've taken apart and tried to put back together and work in working order. This is the type of kid who needs to go to training Point Learning Center. Hello, my name is Colby Ratzel, I'm 15 years old, and this is my education story. When I went to
0: the... Okay, I'm gonna forward. Turning Point is a public mag, uh, public charter school that's in Emporia, and uh, takes some very innovative approaches to education. And uh, Ginger Lumen and Charlie Mahoney are two of the, the teachers that are there that are just fantastic and great school. Um, I want to show. Uh, we're gonna forward to the 10 minute point. This is halfway through. It's a 20 minute presentation, because he's gonna talk about Google Earth. practicing for the real world and real life right now using the life practice model and real tools of today. In developing the life practice model,
1: we believe that learning should occur at any time and place, and the active of learning engages the tools of today to excite kids' amazing minds. Using Google's free tools, $10,000, in their own designs, middle schoolers redesigned their rooms to make them less schooling. They shot before views created plans, and then rendered their final designs. The light-connected model allows learners to take All charge. All of this program is scheduled to be doing very well. When we see it, it's planning how to create and design. And then I'm preparing for the conference. This summer, students are buying supplies to bring them to learn. Dynamic, relevant, and innovative. you.
3: You should know that when our school started, we were given the most basic and leftover furniture the school districts had. It worked for a while until it started to come loose, despite the fact we kept screwing and gluing things together, and everything was mismatched. Finally, we were able to secure $10,000 from the district for new furniture. But instead of the teachers deciding what to buy with it, they made it into a project and competition to redesign our entire environment. Teachers picked five students as leaders, and they got special leadership training and advice while the other students filled out resumes and applications for jobs. The students applied to the leaders for jobs, such as accountant to manage the $10,000 budget, interior designer, tech support, and documentarian. Once the leaders had negotiated which teams they would have, the work began. Teams were told by the CEO and CFO, actually the teachers, that they had to create an entire plan on what they would do with the money if they won, which meant they needed to have a list of furniture, where it would be coming from, the cost of the furniture, how to order it, and how it was going to get here. On top of that, they needed to take inventory on the good furniture we already had. We also had to create before and after views, which included a 3D Google Sketch of design of the finished rooms, including paint and furniture. The next step of the project was measuring and designing. In order to create the designs in Google SketchUp, we need to know the precise measurements of all the rooms, bookshelves, tables, and chairs. This was hard for some of the groups, but being a somewhat friendly competition, others were willing to assist them. We knew that we would all win if one of the teams created an acceptable plan. This was one of my favorite projects because it gave me a chance to do what I love, designing in 3D. The primary tool for this project was Google SketchUp which I've been working with for three years now. Now is my chance to show everybody what I was capable of, and it sure showed come presentation time. My eighth grade year at Turning Point Learning Center would prove to be the most exciting of them all. We had more projects this year than ever. We had 54 kids, almost doubled from last year, and almost quadrupled from two years previous. The school now had four teachers, one for every core subject, When you have a teacher for each class, you can have more hands-on projects. Relating to the big project of last year and my very first year, I would attempt to redesign the front of Turning Point Learning Center in 3D. I had more SketchUp experience than ever, and I knew how to add more detail into my projects. I also knew how to do accurate measuring without spending the time and hassle of doing it by hand. I found out that Google Maps allows you to measure just about anything that you want with the pen tool, I measured the length of the school with that, and then double-checked with my room measurements put together in SketchUp, and they both came out the same. Once I had acquired all the dimensions, I took pictures of the front of the school, making sure I captured all the small details. Then I started to do the basic layout of the school front, and rendered the model with a graphics application. When the results came out, it looked like a clay model. Next, I started on the details, beginning simple until I needed to make sure all of the things I was doing matched the actual building. I made sure I kept copies of this project in different places in case something would happen to the computer. When all the details were finished, I began working on textures. I searched several sites for textures which closely matched the school. I rendered these final models and was very happy with the results, but there was something missing. I noticed I need to add a sky and grass into the mix. This would give it the realism I was looking for. This was absolutely my favorite project, and it was an independent study. But we still had many more projects during my eighth grade year that are worth mentioning. Okay, I'll
0: pause it there. They did a garden and all kinds of just awesome, awesome stuff. So that presentation um, is called the Life Practice Model, I put it into our chat, but I'll drop it in again. And, you know, what an amazing example of how a student equipped with a tool like Google SketchUp uh, was able to go far and just develop a lot of skills that, to get back to our earlier question, I don't know if that of our group from Claremore is still with us or not, but we had that question about how do we, you know, what, what, what can we do with these kinds of tools? Well, being able to take your tools into, um, you know, the world of design and and being able to create in that way, there's all sorts of possibilities. So I want to uh, just briefly show you Google SketchUp, and then we'll see if we've got some questions, and that's probably going to be about uh, all the time that we have. There's a lot more links, of course, on our our website that we're not going to be able to have time to explore. Um, on the subject of tours, though, there is a link here to screencasts that talk about how to uh, create Google Earth Tours and have instructions for how to do that. Um, so, I hadn't heard of this before, Screen Jelly. Um, how to set up placemarks for your tour, how to add audio and save your tour, and um, I'm not going to take time to play those. But that, again, answers the question, how am I going to learn how to do this? How are my students going to, you know, via the web, via the tutorials, via those kinds of things that have been created by other, other folks? Um, Google SketchUp is, um, and I'm going to show you that in the, Google, in the 3D warehouse, are places where... The 3D designs of people from around the world, they're created with SketchUp, and then they are uh, shared and showcased in the 3D warehouse. So there are thousands and thousands of different kinds of collections that are in the warehouse that you can download and see. Some of these end up being put into uh, tours that are available for you know anybody to be able to get right through the, the Google um,